Hello and welcome to the St. Francis Sunday Sermon Podcast for this, the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. Our sermon this week comes from the Reverend Dominic George, and we hear a musical section from the St. Francis Choir. Enjoy and have a blessed week, my friends. First be reconciled to your brother and sister. Some years ago, I remember reading a funny story about a little boy, perhaps I've shared it with you before, who told his friends, we got nine kids in our house and one bathroom. you got to have rules. And rules are important in life. We need them to run a community or a nation. We need them in business. And we need them in our church. And one of the first efforts of St. Matthew in the early part of his gospel was to supply a set of rules for the governing of the church and the interaction of the members one with another. Not that there had not been any guiding rules before, but Jesus broke with the many scriptures of the Old Testament protest against the 613 rules that pressed down on the Jewish people, Jesus interpreted the meaning behind rules and made them more personal and humane. Jesus emphasized the intent of the law rather than the exact meaning. But Matthew, coming out of a strong Jewish background, knew that there were must be rules appropriate and pertinent to the life and work of a community of the church. And Matthew spoke out loud and clear to the Christians. There are many different people in the church, free and slave, prosperous and poor, Jew and Gentile. You see, without rules, chaos will ensue. So Matthew brought together the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, rule after rule, call, if you will, those about quarreling, about lust, about swearing falsely, recall to the often repeated words, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, the rules were not the same as they were before. And one of the themes that runs through the teachings is the matter of conflict. Now, much of what Jesus had to say dealt with the relational difficulties among individuals. Jesus talked a great deal about anger and envy and love and loyalty and greed, about managing our feelings. See, conflict has always been a problem for the church. From the very first century until our own time, the church has had to update and reinterpret the ancient rules concerning conflict. Because there are a great many people of many different persuasions in the body of Christ. We, you and I, must deal with this mundane and often very tricky task. Now, one of the truisms in the matter of conflict is this. 
families fight. Have you ever known a family that did not fight? Now, most of us do not like conflict. We will do almost anything to avoid difficulties with others. And perhaps you've noticed how many parishioners stay away from church when anything controversial comes up. We do not, we do not like controversy, and yet controversy is a fact of life church life and of any other life. See, we're different people. Our backgrounds are diverse. Plurality is where I believe we want to be as a nation. We see things differently from our neighbors and from those occupying the very few in front of us. And there's a line in the music man that pictures it brilliantly. Someone in the musical says of the people in Iowa, people can stand nose to nose for days and days and never see eye to eye. See, conflict is one of the facts of life. Nail the point down at the church, at home, whatever. Families do fight. Find a family that does not fight you will discover a deep undercurrent of unsolved frustration. And perhaps nothing of real consequence is settled with our conflict. We may not like it, but we must go through the difficulty and remember never, never, never was there an Easter in Homer Church without Good Friday. Martin Luther King used to say that tension was important for any healthy community. Dr. King would point out that the muscles of the body will only harden through the process of tension. Now, if you lie in bed a few days, you'll certainly agree with that. So we know that families, even the best-intentioned families, will fight. And Jesus' teaching offers us a rule. Let families fight, and more power to that, but let them fight like Christians. In The Intimate Enemy, George Watt says, there's clean fighting and dirty fighting. We must learn to fight a clean fight in the church so that we can find a clean fight world. One whole section of the Sermon on the Mount focuses on learning to fight in a Christian manner. We don't always get our way in fights. When conflict emerges, we do not always win. And when we don't, we usually withdraw from the fight. We may not change our opinions. But the conflict is over, and what of the anger and the insults? We must strive to be reconciled. And in the church, we sometimes get hurt or angry when something we feel quite strongly about does not happen. But we are poor members of the body of Christ if we decide to leave simply because we lose. Divorce in the church community is also a serious occurrence. 
not to change churches or even denominations because of conflict. The Sermon on the Mount says that differences of opinion on any subject should not keep us apart. And Jesus said, we have, tried, we have to try here one another. Christ wants us to respect our differences. We are subject to individualities, to the rules of the body. We work it out. We do not let the sun go down on our wrath. We forgive. We take what we have tried to do in the church out into the home, in the office, in the world we live in. We fight like Christians the world because we've learned to fight like Christians in the church. And the first rule is we learn to fight like Christians. And the second rule is we must love. Once someone came and asked Jesus, which was the great rule of law? And remembering the 613 laws and regulations, Jesus gave the questioner a magnificent summary of them all. Love God and love one another. But you see, in our time, we cannot understand what Jesus asked us to do. Love is romantic, a sentimental, or a thing of the heart, an emotional reaction. The love of which Jesus spoke was hard, gutsy, the most difficult man of them all. Dr. Frederick Speakman tells that early in his ministry, he encountered the real meaning of Christian love. He tells how he spent many hours in those early days of ministry, unburdening his soul to two elderly ladies in his congregation. Again and again, he mentioned the name of one special member who tried to trip him up continually. The speaker would explode. How in the world can I be expected to love a man like that? I'm his pastor, but he is mean as a snake. One of the ladies responded, and I quote, Sound if you expect to be fond of him. That's nonsense, isn't it? And Jesus didn't speak nonsense. Christian love is not fondness. It's what you do. In the quote. And Jesus' command strikes at this very point. We are to act right even towards our enemies. Love truly is what we do, not just how we feel. Christians Christian love does, does right. Regardless, the essence of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount speaks strongly to right. Christ followed his own rule. The man covered in rags and who had a body that stank and sores that were intolerable. And Jesus, in his humanity, was repulsed by his condition. The scripture says that he reached out in his hand and touched him. You see, love is something that you do. 
1940s, Howard Berman was called to be pastor to a newly formed congregation here in San Francisco called the Fellowship Church, which is still on Larkin Street where it was founded 75 years ago. And this congregation dreamed of being an interracial fellowship years before others would struggle with the issue. And I think it may have been the first congregation in our country that was founded with this goal. And Thurman said that he felt in taking the congregation, a primary emphasis would be to work out the meaning of love as a way of communicating God's work in the world. He was moved by Jesus' mandate by this, all shall know they are Christians because they love one another. Thurman began to examine his own feelings and the scriptures in relation to the love idea. And he discovered that in his own life, experience of being understood was of primary importance. Somewhere deep within, he came to see that when he had been confirmed by another, he could run the risk of opening his life to that person. Fellowship Church was founded on the principle that finding ultimate security in an ultimate vulnerability was what it meant to be loved. Now there are churches all over the world that attract only their own kind. They meet together in a mutual admiration society and confirm each other's prejudices and play the ain't it awful game of self-righteousness about the rest of the world. God's frozen people. But here and there, not as frequent, but much more powerful. We discover a congregation of the poor and the well-to-do, the old and the young, the liberal and the conservative who struggle daily with this mandate of Christ. You see, my dear friends in Christ, our best witness to the pagan world is still that old mandate. See how they love one another. Here we find the acid test of real Christianity. The little boy was right. We got nine kids in our family and one bathroom. So you gotta have rules. Sometimes we do not like them. Often we think foolish. Good part of the time we disagree with them. Never mind. The rules remain. And families fight, but Christian families are to fight like Christians. We have to be loving 